Hey everybody, uh, I'm Praying Medic. Welcome to Supernatural Saturday for Saturday, March 12th. On this broadcast, I'm going to talk about um, emotional healing. This is going to be a basic level instruction on emotional healing. I'm going to try to avoid the advanced discussions. For now, I want to just focus on the basic level emotional healing instruction. And then I'm going to uh, walk you through the process of emotional healing as, as a demonstration. Then I'm going to pray for deliverance. And then we're going to pray for physical healing. All right. So the ministry of emotional healing is not taught very much in churches. It is taught, strangely enough, in secular society. Actually, Denise uh, was taking personal coaching from a woman who, on one of her broadcasts, she talked about this process of emotional healing that is very similar to the process that I use, except that instead of asking God to heal the wounds in, her, in your soul, uh, it was ask the universe or ask a higher power to do it. But... It's kind of strange that um, secular society understands the need for emotional healing. It's not very often taught in the church. You're not going to have a lot of Sunday sermons on the subject. And that's because um, a large part of the, the church today doesn't believe in the ministry of healing. If you don't believe in the necessity or the availability of physical healing or deliverance, you're probably not going to be uh, too hip to emotional healing either. And so a lot of churches don't just don't teach um, healing. And that's unfortunate because I think everybody needs emotional healing. Uh, I, I, in this Telegram channel, over the last uh, four months, we have seen hundreds of testimonies of people being healed, and probably half of them are related to emotional healing. The, the problem that a lot of people have is that they don't see the ministry of emotional healing in the New Testament or anywhere in the Bible. You don't see Jesus and the disciples taking people through emotional healing. And that causes a lot of people to wonder, well, if you don't see it you know, in the ministry of Jesus and you don't see it in the ministry of the apostles, then is it really a thing? And a lot of people don't believe it's a thing. And that's fine. <laughs> but like I said, I, have, uh, I can point to hundreds of testimonies that say otherwise. It is a thing. It is real. And it, it is actually mentioned in the Bible. So people who um, understand the ministry of healing, they usually go to Isaiah 53, the prophecy of, of the Messiah, and they look at verse 5 of Isaiah 53 and say, okay, well, here we see the ministry of healing foreshadowed. Right, so let's go to that verse, and this is Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So a lot of people recognize that that is, um, like I said, a foreshadowing of the coming of Jesus as a Messiah and his ministry of physical healing. Now, verse 4 <laughs> comes before verse 5. And in Isaiah, 
53 verse 4, we find this. Uh, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Now, what are griefs and what are sorrows? Well, griefs and sorrows are negative emotions. And this is talking about the healing ministry of Jesus. He has borne our griefs, he has carried our sorrows. On the cross, when he was crucified, he took our griefs, our sorrows, our anger, our shame, our fear, all of the negative emotions that we suffer uh, due to emotional trauma. He took those upon himself, which means we don't have to keep them if we don't want them. You do not have to keep your shame, anger, grief, sorrow, fear, anxiety, guilt, uh, any negative emotion that you don't want, you don't have to keep. Jesus will actually take that emotion from you and he'll heal the wound in your soul. Now, uh, we're going to go a little bit more into this. The, the ministry of emotional healing is connected to the ministry of deliverance. It's not the same thing, but it's connected. So let's go to um, Isaiah 61, verse 1. And this uh, starts out, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me, to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. All right, let's focus on this um, one scripture for just a minute. This is the scripture that Jesus read in the synagogue when he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Okay, Jesus said he came as a Messiah to fulfill the scripture. Right. Line 4 says, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. In the Hebrew, uh, the word brokenhearted is the word shabar. That word shabar, the Hebrew word, means to be shattered into pieces. So you have to ask yourself, what does it mean to have your heart shattered into pieces? Well, your heart, that little muscle in your chest that pumps blood, that's not the heart that Isaiah was speaking of. Right. He wasn't saying that your, your myocardium was going to be shattered into pieces. He was talking about our soul. So what does it mean to have the soul shattered into pieces and broken? The soul, a lot of people see it as our mind, will, and emotions. Okay, The soul is the seat of our personality. It's where our emotions, it's where our, our imagination resides. That's, those are all, when we describe those things, those are components of our soul. Now, the Bible says that God is a three-part being. There's God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. In the same way that God is a three-part being, we are also a three-part being. We exist as a spirit, we have a soul, and we inhabit a physical body. Right? We're a three-part being. And injuries, sickness, disease, um, afflictions can occur in the spirit, soul, or body, physical body realm. So let me say that again. Any 
form of sickness, disease, injury, pain, can have a spiritual cause, it can have an emotional cause, and it can have a physiological cause. And a lot of people mistakenly think they have um, pain in their neck, or they have colitis, or they have some autoimmune condition or whatever, and they think, oh, it's a physiological problem. And people pray for healing of a physiological problem, uh, and nothing happens. And they wonder why. Well, that's because it may not be physiological. I've found that a lot of autoimmune conditions are actually rooted in emotional trauma. And a lot of people who have chronic pain actually have, a, a, it's a spiritual cause. It's a spirit of pain. It's a demon. And they're praying for, for their need to be healed, and they actually have a demon <laughs> that's afflicting them, needs to be removed. Right. So I don't want to get too far into that just yet, but what I would just want you to understand is that any, um, any medical condition can have a spiritual cause, it can have an emotional cause, and it can have a physiological cause. Now, the ministry of physical healing is done through the release of power and the exercise of authority. All right, in Luke chapter 9, verse 1, the Bible says, Jesus called the 12 disciples to himself and he gave them power and authority to heal diseases and uh, authority over demons. All right, so the, the ministry of deliverance is the removal of demons by the exercise of authority. The healing of some diseases is done through the release of power, okay, and some other conditions are healed through the exercise of authority. So you can command ligaments, nerves, muscles, tendons, bones to be healed. It's one way to do it. Another way to do it is release power to work a creative miracle. Now, I've covered those subjects in previous um, broadcasts. Go on my Rumble channel, go on my, um, my ministry website, pragmatic.org uh, or pragmatic.com. You can find all those videos. I'm not going to rabbit trail onto those too much. But what, what I'd like to just have you know right now is uh, physical healing, healing of a physiological condition is done through the exercise of authority or the release of power. Spiritual conditions, evil spirits that are afflicting you, that is done through the exercise of authority. You command evil spirits to leave. All right. Emotional healing has uh, nothing to do with authority or power. It works off a completely different dynamic. So if you're a student of <laughs> healing and you think about um, authority and power, you have to set those aside for this message because emotional healing has nothing to do with authority or power. It's a relational dynamic and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. So let's go to Isaiah 61 and in line number five, all right, it says that the ministry of Jesus was to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. What does that mean? All right. It doesn't mean literally opening prisons and letting inmates, criminals, free. That's not what it's talking about. Right. So in the same way that Isaiah used um, metaphor and simile to illustrate the idea of brokenhearted, 
opening prison uh, cells, freeing the captives, is talking about freeing people who are in demonic bondage. It is the ministry of deliverance. So Isaiah 61 verse 1, that is about the ministry of emotional healing and deliverance. Right? When you think of setting the captives free, opening the gates of the prison, we're talking about opening the um, spiritual prison bars that uh, demons use to keep us in bondage. As I said, um, any condition can have a physiological, emotional, or a spiritual cause. Healing is a process. And if you're willing to submit yourself to the process, you will be healed. But you have to understand there is a process and you have to submit yourself to that process and go all the way through that process through the end before you're going to be healed. Uh, now, a lot of people give up and they quit uh, on healing because they don't complete the process. They pray for healing. They ask God to heal them. Nothing happens. And they think, okay, well, God doesn't want me healed. Or, you know, it's in God's timing. Maybe it's not God's time. Maybe I have to wait another five years for God's timing to come in and God's going to magically decide one day that he wants you healed. Neither of those uh, are true. Healing is a process. And if you submit yourself to the process, you will be healed. It's that simple. <laughs> right? And a lot of people are not willing to take the time to engage the necessary parts of the process. And again, sometimes it's a release of power. Sometimes it's exercise of authority. Sometimes it's emotional healing. There are a lot of other dynamics involved. Um, there is generational issues. Uh, to, to be considered. There are uh, DNA issues. There's a lot of issues that can potentially, um, that we need to address, courts of heaven, and there are other things. I'm not going to talk about those today. This is one part of the process. It's emotional healing. And, and I would just need to say this up front. Emotional healing has nothing to do with forgiveness. It has nothing to do with repenting of sins. It has nothing to do with a lot of other things um, that are confused um, with emotional healing. Um, emotional healing is a dynamic all by itself. It stands by itself. It's not related to any other aspect of healing. Other than, I would say this, after you've gone through emotional healing, it may be easier to forgive someone. And forgiveness is um, it is in some cases is necessary before you're going to be healed. But forgiveness is a separate part of the process. It's emotional healing and forgiveness are two different things. Forgiveness is partially for you. Uh, forgiveness is also somewhat for the other person. But emotional healing is just for you. It has no effect on the person who uh, offended you or abused you. There are a lot of people have excuses why they don't think they need to be emotionally healed. I've heard people say, the things that I've suffered have made me stronger. Well, that may or may not be true. But I will tell you this, the things that you have suffered have also opened you up to demonic oppression. And it's that simple. Uh, emotional trauma wounds the soul and it creates openings for demons. It might make you stronger, but it is definitely going to open you up to demons. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verses uh, verse 25 and 26, the Apostle Paul said, 
Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the enemy a foothold. All right, he's tying anger and negative emotion to an opportunity or, an, or a foothold for the devil. Um, demons gain access, they gain a foothold through us through emotions like anger, shame, guilt, fear, anxiety, hopelessness, despair. If you allow those emotions to remain in your soul, demons are going to afflict you through them. So, so it's a good idea to submit to the emotional healing process. Unless you want to be afflicted, but with, you know, my spirits of pain and spirits of fear, anxiety, and uh, demons that'll bring in other diseases too. Some people say that, you know, I, I don't want to dredge up my past. There, there's no point in dredging up the past. It, it's not going to help. What's done is done. Just bury it. Just forget about it. All right. That's one option. Some people do that. They prefer not to dredge up their past. They don't think it's going to help. Um, I will tell you this. If you are willing to look at your past, look at past events that have um, caused emotional wounds, and if you look at them one time, identify the emotion that you're feeling and let Jesus heal it, you'll never have to deal with that again, ever. Um, emotional healing is not counseling. Uh, Denise, my wife, she went through counseling for quite a period of time and she said it was useless. It did nothing for her because all you're doing is you're just dredging up your, your past, dragging out all of your stuff, sobbing over it, having a good cry, and then you go back, you know, next week or next month, you do the same thing. And she said she never found any healing, never got any resolution. It didn't help her at all. Emotional healing is not counseling. We're not, we're not trying to resolve those issues by talking about them. What we're doing is we are healing emotional wounds in your soul. That's it. That's what we're doing. Not everybody is ready for emotional healing at the same time. What, I, what I've found, and I've been doing this for a few years, is that some people are not ready for emotional healing at a certain time in their life. They don't feel emotionally triggered. They don't necessarily feel like they like emotions or the issues in their past are bothering them. In some cases, those people are just not ready for emotional healing because if you take them through the emotional healing process, they're going to have a difficult time identifying the emotions that need to be healed. But <laughs> some people are ready. And what I found is usually when a person gets in contact with someone who can teach them about emotional healing, what the Holy Spirit will do is he'll start to stir up their emotions. They'll stir up the negative emotions in their soul. He'll uh, trigger the wounds and, and the person will become an emotional wreck. Uh, right, Sherry? And, and when these emotions start coming up and you start feeling all these emotions, the sadness, the despair, the hopelessness, the regret, fear, anger, anxiety, worry, guilt, shame, and you're just this emotional basket case, uh, that's a good sign that the Holy Spirit wants to heal you. All right, so if you're feeling emotionally triggered, stirred up, it's a really good time to sit down with Jesus and say, okay, let's deal with this stuff. And like I said, it's a process. But uh, if you're having a hard time identifying any events from your past, uh, or if you're not feeling those emotions, it may not be time for you. Uh, if, when it's time, you'll know. <laughs> and, and And there's... There's other ways in which um, God will actually let you know. 
that there's something that needs to be healed. A lot of people um, are introduced to the idea of emotional trauma through dreams. I was. I have a number of friends who were. And typically what happens in a dream is you see another version of you. Either you see an adult version of you that acts different from the way you normally act, or you're introduced to a child of yours that you never actually had in the natural. And this child has issues. And um, wounded parts of the soul are sometimes referred to as children. Uh, they're sometimes called altars, fragments. Um, but a lot of people um, will have a dream that is a hint that they have emotional trauma. And, and God can illustrate emotional trauma that needs to be addressed in a lot of different ways. Um, through prophetic words, through dreams, through visions, through stirring up your emotions. There's a lot of different ways that God will let you know you need to be healed. Some people say that um, time heals all wounds. Time does not heal all wounds. Time doesn't heal anything. Uh, time may actually make the effects of your emotional trauma worse. What I find with people is as they get older, as time passes, um, their afflictions, their sickness, their diseases, their pains and aches get worse because they have unaddressed emotional trauma. It doesn't get better with time. It usually gets worse. Uh, some people think that holding grudges uh, is the issue that we're talking about. They say, well, you know, I don't really hold grudges against people. Well, holding whether you hold grudges or not is irrelevant. That's not what emotional healing is about. Some people or by their, their disposition, by nature, they're quickly able to forgive other people. They don't hold grudges. That's not the issue that we're dealing with in emotional healing. When you have an emotionally traumatic event, whether you hold a grudge against that person or not is irrelevant. You're going to suffer an emotional wound and it's going to affect you and it needs to be healed, whether you hold a grudge or not. There's a lot of people who believe they have never actually suffered emotional trauma. I, I was talking to a guy by email a few months ago. He said, you know, I've had a pretty good life. I've never really been, you know, traumatized. I've never really had any, any issues with people. I don't really feel like I, you know, have ha suffered any emotional trauma. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Uh, so emotional trauma comes in many varieties and flavors, and it comes in a lot of ways people don't uh, think of. When you're an adult, you look at situations um, differently than when you see them as a child. If you were to be accidentally locked in a bedroom closet for 15 minutes as an adult, it's not a big deal. You'll pull out your phone and start going through your you know, messages or social media and wait for someone to unlock you. You're not going to panic. A two-year-old being locked in a closet accidentally can be a severely traumatizing event. A two-year-old doesn't have an understanding of time, doesn't have an understanding that someone's going to come and let them out eventually. Those types of seemingly innocuous events can be severely traumatizing to children. Bullying when you're a child uh, is a frequent cause of emotional trauma. Uh, a lot of events that happen in school can be very traumatizing. Uh, if you were in a, in a class and a teacher picked on you or ridiculed you or made you read something out loud just to make fun of you, um, those types of events when you're a child can be traumatizing. Breakup with a girlfriend or boyfriend unexpectedly 
death of a child, death of a parent, suddenly, unexpectedly, divorce, losing a job. A, a lot of things that happen to us over our life can be traumatizing. If you've spent time in the military and you were in combat and you saw people die, if you're a firefighter or a paramedic or a nurse or a doctor and you've seen people die, uh, people that died and you didn't think they should have died or were going to die, traumatizing event. There are many things that happen to us in life that can be traumatizing. And what we tend to do is we tend to think, well, you know, I'm just going to not dwell on that. I'm going to just put it out of my mind. And, and that's fine. You can do that. It's a coping mechanism. But once the injury happens and the insult happens, it's there until it's healed. And uh, I, I use the analogy of, of the junk pile in the backyard. When you get into an, uh, a heated argument, disagreement with a family member, and you have negative feelings that kind of get stirred up during this disagreement, fights over you know what should happen with the parents, fights over COVID, over politics, a lot of different things. I mean, the last five years, families have been set against each other. And a lot of people are suffering emotional trauma from that. And what we tend to do is we tend to just say, you know, I don't really want to dwell on this. I'm not going to think about it. Um, Jesus used the, the metaphor in Luke 11 of a house that uh, an evil spirit, when it leaves your house, it'll go to the dry places and it'll come back. And if it finds the house swept, it'll come in and bring uh, more evil spirits with it. So the analogy of the house is, is a really good way to think of yourself. Actually, in dreams, when you're in a house, typically the house that you're in in the dream is metaphorically uh, it represents aspects of your life. All right. So what we tend to do with emotional trauma is we take the event that uh, we don't want to dwell on. We just throw it in the backyard. You know, I'm not going to think about this. I'm just going to throw it in the backyard. I won't see it. I don't have to dwell on it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to put it in the backyard and let it sit there. And then next week you get into another long, heated, ugly debate argument uh, somebody offends you, someone does something that is unkind to you, and you feel more negative emotions. You take that event, I don't want to dwell on it, I'm going to throw it in the backyard. Next week, another event happens, I'm not going to dwell on it, throw that in the backyard. And you keep throwing these events in your backyard, you keep burying them. And eventually you have a junk pile in your backyard. And demons are like rats. Rats come and they'll feed on your junk pile. And then some person will come along and say, hey, would you like deliverance? And they go to your backyard and they yell at the rats to leave and the rats leave. And that person leaves and you go back in your house and then the rats come back and they start eating on your junk pile again. Well, emotional trauma is very much like that. Emotional trauma to your soul creates a place where evil spirits can attach to you and afflict you. And you can go through deliverance but if you don't heal the emotional wounds, those demons are going to come back. Right? So if you have a spirit of pain and you command that spirit of pain to leave and your knee gets better or your neck pain goes away or your shoulder pain goes away and then the next day it comes back, you have a demon <laughs> and, and it's there for a reason. And it's going to keep coming back until you deal with that issue. When you suffer uh, a negative, disappointing frightening, 
terrifying experience, those experiences tend to cause trauma to your soul and you react with an emotion. When you, someone gives you a birthday present, someone gives you, you know, unexpected compliment, some good thing happens to you, you experience an emotion, joy, happiness, excitement, hope, right? These are emotions. Emotions are responses to the events of life. So we have both positive and negative emotions. And the positive and negative emotions are responses of our soul to the events of life. The soul, I, I think of it, and I'm going to use an illustration here, is made of a substance that is very um, malleable and it can, it can be changed. I wouldn't say it's like a blackboard. I, I liken it a little bit to like a sponge in that it can absorb uh, impact of an, an injury. It can also be fragmented and broken and torn apart. And that's when, when Isaiah was speaking about Jesus healing the brokenhearted, the word shabar, to be shattered. That is the idea of the soul being broken into pieces. The soul can be compartmentalized. It can, the, the injury, insult, and trauma we suffer can be compartmentalized and walled off. It can also be ripped off of the main part of the soul. So I'm going to do a demonstration here real quick. Piece of paper. All right. Think of the entire piece of paper as the soul. The core of the soul is the main personality. When we suffer uh, trauma, we have a wound that creates emotions and it creates memories. What our soul might do in some events is actually create a, just a little wall, a barrier to wall off the wounded part of the soul so that that event doesn't poison and contaminate the rest of the soul. Because if you, if you suffer emotional trauma that causes the feeling of hopelessness, let's say, an election that you were sure was in the bag didn't go the way you thought it was going to, that event can cause your soul to feel hopelessness. Now your soul has the ability to wall off that little part, wounded part of the soul so that it doesn't affect your entire soul, your entire outlook. Because otherwise you'd be walking around for the rest of your life with the outlook of hopelessness. And some of you have done that. Some people have a wound in their soul that has caused them to experience the major, the, the overriding feeling that they have right now is hopelessness, despair, worry. Because they have suffered emotional trauma and it hasn't been healed. Now, the soul can compartmentalize that and wall it off and the person can function sort of normally and they'll only when they think about that event, that then the emotion of hopelessness comes up and they remember, oh gosh, I, yeah, that just made me feel hopeless. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna think about that. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it over there. I don't wanna talk about it. All right. Basic level emotional healing is taking those emotions, the negative emotions, from the events and giving them to Jesus, saying, Jesus, I ask you to take this feeling of hopelessness or despair, worry, grief, anxiety, fear, guilt, shame, whatever the negative emotion is, you give it to Jesus and ask him to heal the wound in your soul. That's the process of emotional healing. Now, I'm gonna go a little bit further. So sometimes 
sometimes your soul will actually uh, be broken. And now you have the core of your soul and you have a little fragment, a little part of your soul over here that is disconnected from the rest of your soul. We call that a part or a fragment. Some people call it, sometimes it's called an altar. All right. It's a wounded part of the soul that has been, that has been separated from the core of the soul. The core of the soul is the main, uh, your personality. It's who you are. Right. Remember, the soul is the seat of the mind, will, and emotions. It's how we think. It's who we are. It's our personality, our sense of humor, our imagination. You can re sustain emotional trauma that will actually cause a, uh, a fragment, a part of the soul to be disconnected. I am speaking from personal experience. I've been through, <laughs> when I was younger, I, I have seven brothers. And we fought all the time when I was younger. I had three older brothers. And I got my butt kicked on a daily basis. Lots of fights. And I suffered a lot of emotional trauma from that when I was younger. So when I went through emotional healing, I had a lot of junk to deal with. And we found some altars. <laughs> God, God pointed them out in a dream. Uh, and we, I went through the process and got those altars and fragments healed. Now, the difference between what I call an altar and a fragment is a fragment or a part, you can use either term, is a part of your soul that has been wounded, that doesn't have a fully developed personality. Now remember, the soul is where our personality is formed. So if you have a part of your soul <laughs> that's sort of broken off from the rest of the soul, okay, it's going to have emotions, it's going to have memories. It may have an imagination. It has a, some degree of personality because that's what the soul is, right? So uh, generally, a fragment or a part is considered a part of the soul that doesn't have a, f a fully well-developed personality of its own. It does usually have emotions and the memory of an event. All right. An altar... And that term altar is short for alternate personality. An altar is a wounded part of the soul that has developed a personality of its own. So uh, altars can have a completely different personality from the core of your personality. They can have different preferences, different likes and dislikes, different political views, different religious views. Uh, it is literally a completely different personality. Most of the altars that people have are developed during relatively serious trauma. And those altars have a unified purpose. And that purpose is to protect the core of the personality, the core of the soul. They're, most of them are protectors. If, a, if an altar has developed uh, to the point where it has its own personality, it is generally very defensive of the individual. And it's there, it, they have, they're hypervigilant and they're there to protect uh, the individual from threats. And this is where you start to see altars coming up when a person is in a situation that is, appears to be threatening. I, this story is a really good one to illustrate the idea. Um, I, I talked to a woman years ago 
who, when I was talking about how these altars and fragments work, and how you either see Jekyll and Hyde uh, behavior, and that's kind of a tip-off, where uh, a person who might be just normally laid back and, and easygoing suddenly becomes very, you know, defensive and angry. Um, that's a tip-off. So this one woman was talking about her husband, and she said, you know, my husband does that. He is normally laid back, mellow, easygoing guy, but whenever we go to Oregon, uh, they go there every year, go camping, he turns into this insolent, angry, wounded 13-year-old. She said, it's like night and day. It's like Jekyll and Hyde. And I said, well, he's probably got an altar that was formed years ago from a traumatic event. Right? That's, that's sort of typical with, with how you can identify someone who has uh, an altar. They have this Jekyll and Hyde personality. I tend to be a, a pretty easygoing, laid-back person. Years ago, I was being triggered. Um, I was reacting in anger to a lot of things that would not normally cause me to react in anger. I was blowing up at everyone and everything for the course of about three days. And that was the clue to me. I was like, you know, something's going on here. This is just not like how I normally am. Talked to a friend of mine. We went through emotional healing, found a bunch of fragments and altars. and I feel much better and I've, I haven't had those angry outbursts since then. Basically what we're trying to do with emotional healing is we're trying to we're trying we're working with the wounded part of the soul we're working on the emotions and we're dealing with the memory okay we're not healing the memory we're healing the emotions we're essentially removing the negative emotions and we're healing the wound and uh, Jesus may or may not want to integrate that altar back into the person and that is, that's just very simply, you know, if you have, think of this as the core of your soul and the wounded part, if you heal the wound, deal with the emotions and the memory and get this person, this part of your soul healed, you can then integrate it and make it back one with the soul. That is advanced stuff. We're not going to talk about that today, but in, a, in another broadcast, we'll go into some advanced emotional healing uh, discussions. Don't want to do that right now. So I, I talked a little bit about uh, the purpose of why these altars are formed. It's self-preservation. Actually, the entire dynamic of the soul being broken, walling off memories and emotions, and sometimes having fragments broken off of the soul, it's entirely self-protective. It keeps the soul from being destroyed by trauma. You can sacrifice a small part of your soul for a traumatic event, but you wouldn't want to, the entire soul to be poisoned and damaged. So God created the soul in such a way that trauma can be limited. So it doesn't affect the entire soul. And like I said, um, these the fragments and altars, they are generally uh, protective. Their goal is to protect. And what, what, what happens is when a person experiences an event that is similar to the event that caused the altar or fragment to be formed, that fragment or altar will come up, take over control of the personality, they will deal with that situation and the people until they believe that the threat is passed, then they'll go back down and the core of the personality will take over again. It's called switching and it happens in people who have dissociative identity disorder, um, it happens pretty regularly and it's pretty dramatic. When, when uh, an altar 
or a fragmented part of your soul takes over, that's called dissociation. Okay, so the core of your personality is no longer in control. Uh, a wounded part of your soul has taken over control. They're in, in control of your mind, will, and emotions. <laughs> they're, they're going to be saying things and they're going to be reacting a certain way until the core of your personality comes back in, in control. That is called switching and it's, called, it's also called dissociation. People who have um, significant alters and a lot of them and a lot of issues with dissociation, it's called dissociative identity disorder. It, that's a somewhat rare condition, although I think it's more prevalent than most people want to admit. It's a little bit tricky to diagnose, but uh, people are getting more, becoming more aware of it. Right. So, again, advanced subjects. Not going to get too much into that, but when when someone has um, severe trauma to the soul, where they have a lot of fragments, that's called used to be called multiple personality disorder, now it's called uh, dis dissociative identity disorder. I wanna make something clear. This is very confusing to people who just go to mainline Christian churches that do not teach on emotional healing and trauma. Uh, they're going to listen to this conversation and think, oh, you're talking about demons. No, we're not talking about demons. And it was hard for me to get a, a grasp of what this, I, what this whole thing was. We're not talking about demons. We're talking about parts of the soul that have been wounded. The parts of the soul, the altars and fragments, uh, they are demonized. They're afflicted and harassed and tormented by demons. So demons are involved and deliverance is needed. But we're talking about subcompartments of the soul that can have their own personality. And just like the normal core of the personality, they can be tormented by demons. And demons are heavily involved in influencing altars and fragments. A lot of the parts of the soul, wounded parts of the soul are very, are very deceived. They, a lot of them don't understand who Jesus is. They don't understand who angels are. Uh, they've been lied to by demons most of their life. So there's a lot of, one of, one of the main things that you have to do when ministering to people who have significant emotional trauma is you have to do a lot of discipleship with the altars. Teach them about demonic agendas, teach them who Jesus is, teach them about you know the real agenda of Jesus. That is one of these the major facets of emotional healing is discipling the wounded soul. Again, advanced stuff, and I don't want to go too much into that today, but at the basic level, <laughs> we're going to be getting these wounded parts of the soul healed. There's a very common misunderstanding in the church today and outside the church about demons. Um, a lot of church leaders teach that spirit-filled Christians cannot have demons. Well, you know what? If you want to believe that, that's fine. You can believe whatever you want. It's not true. The rationale behind that idea is that they really don't want to deal with demons. They just don't want to deal with uh, deliverance and having to get rid of demons. So a lot of churches have just developed this theology that if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can't have demons. And then they don't have to address it. They, the scriptures that they use for that center around the idea that, um, that light and darkness cannot occupy the same space. 
And if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, how can you have a demon? Well, that again comes from a misunderstanding of what the Holy Spirit actually does when we're born again. Because we are a three-part being, body, soul, spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, regenerates your spirit, not your soul, not your body. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, regenerates, renews your spirit. It does not change your physical body. If you're born with um, a chromosomal defect that causes you to have Down syndrome, your body isn't healed, your DNA is not healed when you're born again. If you have a fractured leg, when you're born again, while you have a fractured leg, that fracture is not gonna be healed. All right, because the, the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of us doesn't change our physical body. If you're five foot one, when the Holy Spirit comes into you, it doesn't make you six foot three. Uh, there's, there is no change in your physical body when you're born again. There's also no change in your soul. Your soul is a separate entity. And if you have emotional trauma from your childhood, it's not going to be magically healed when you're born again with the Spirit. The Spirit is Spirit. The Holy Spirit renews your spirit, man. Does not change your soul. If you have emotional trauma in your soul, demons can afflict you through those wounds in your soul and you need to get them healed. Now, a lot of people have confusion about the word demonic possession. Um, demonic possession is a misnomer. It comes from a poor translation of the Greek New Testament. When you read passage where it talks about someone being demon-possessed, right, that's a poor translation of the Greek New Testament. A better translation is demonized. Demons influence us, and it, uh, demonic influence is on a spectrum. So you can be only uh, affected by demons through your thoughts, um, they can tempt you to, you know, engage in pornography and, and other things. Drinking, using drugs, addictive behavior is demonic influence. Demons are trying to entice you and influence you, right? That's one form of demonic influence, demonization. It's not demonic possession. Uh, demons can also affect you through sickness and disease. They can give you uh, a lot of, like I said, a lot of uh, autoimmune diseases, are actually um, demonic. Just take my word for it. <laughs> I work with a lot of people who do healing and deliverance and emotional healing, and we've found that a lot of autoimmune conditions are actually, they're rooted in emotional trauma, but they're caused by demons that are attaching to emotional wounds. Do the emotional healing, get rid of the evil spirits, those conditions usually go. You may not like this, but um, spirit-filled believers can be uh, influenced, harassed, oppressed by demons. And it's probably just a good idea to take the idea of demon possession and, and just get rid of that. What people typically think of demon possession is actually a manifestation of a demon. Demons can manifest. And what they do is they temporarily take control of your body. They will shake your body uh, and they'll, you know, move certain parts of your body. They'll take over your speech and they'll say certain things through you. Right. That's not demon possession. That is demons manifesting. 
where, they're exert, where they suddenly exert a lot more control over you than they did 10 minutes ago. Again, like I said, demonization occurs on a spectrum. Most people are harassed, oppressed, and influenced by demons, and they don't, a lot of people don't even know it. But if you think about your thought life, if you think about afflictions, pains, illnesses, demons are affecting you. When a demon suddenly decides he's going to really uh, influence you in a big way, they then will take over your physical body and shake you, say certain things, spit, you know, whatever. But that only lasts for a few minutes and it goes away. That is an increased influence of a demon and it's called manifestation, demons manifesting. Let's talk about the process of emotional healing. Right, we talked about it already a little bit. I don't normally talk about this, but I'm going to talk about this for this discussion. What I'm trying to do when I do emotional healing is I'm trying to trigger the wounded part of the soul to come up and take over the personality. Because I'm going to introduce them to Jesus. And they kind of need to be in control temporarily. Or at least aware of what's going on. Right. So if you have a wounded part of the soul, again, here's your fragment. <laughs> here's your part. Right. What I'm doing in emotional healing is I'm trying to provoke a response in the wounded part of the soul by causing them to remember the event. I'm triggering the memory and I want them to identify the emotion that they feel. Right? That's what I do through in emotional healing. The process is simple. Um, I, I've studied, oh gosh, more than a dozen approaches to emotional healing. The Holy Spirit helped me sort of distill all these different uh, approaches to emotional healing down to one very simple, basic approach. And what I'm doing is I am connecting with the memory of a traumatic event and I'm asking that wounded part of the soul to tell me what emotion are you feeling? And when the person says, okay, I remember, remember the event and I feel shame or I feel anger or guilt, hopelessness, despair, terror, whatever emotion they feel. I then ask that wounded part of the soul, repeat after me, <laughs> right? Jesus, I ask you to take this emotion from me. I ask you to heal the wound in my soul and I receive your healing. All right, that's the basic process for emotional healing. I am trying to trigger that altar to, or fragment to come up and respond to my questioning. And this is highly effective. If you can get the person to engage the process, Jesus will always heal the wound in their soul. He'll take the negative emotion and he'll heal the wound. This is what we're doing. And this is, a, this is a process. So what I typically do is I have the person recall one event from their past, usually the event that causes the strongest negative reaction when they think about it. Typically the death of someone, uh, an abusive situation with a ex-husband, ex-wife, a father who was very abusive, you know, a mother who was very controlling, manipulative, abusive. And I asked them initially to identify one event from their past that brings up a strong negative emotion when they think of it. I asked them to identify the emotion that they feel, ask Jesus to remove that emotion, take the emotion from me, ask Jesus to heal the wound in your soul, and tell him you receive his healing. An optional step 
is asking Jesus to give you something positive to replace the negative emotion that he took. So if you're asking Jesus to take shame, you can ask him to give you honor. If you ask him to take guilt, you can ask him to give you innocence. If you're asking him to take away anger, you can ask him to give you peace. Right? And this, this is a, a very effective uh, approach to it. Then uh, once the person has said this, I just literally just tell them, look, say, repeat after me. Jesus, I ask you to take this feeling from me. I ask you to heal a wound in my soul and I receive your healing. And that's it. Three steps. And the fourth step, if you want to ask Jesus to give you uh, an, another emotion to replace it. Then I'll go back to the same event and I'll have them recall that event again and identify what emotion do you feel now? 50% of the time, the person will say, I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything negative at all. And if they feel no negative emotion, you know that their soul has been healed of the trauma from that event. They'll look at that event, they'll recall, they'll have a memory of it, and it'll be different. And not, not that the memory will be different, their emotion is different. They'll look at it and say, you know, I kind of feel peace or I feel sorry for that person. They'll have a different emotion, a different response to that event than they just had two minutes ago. That's about 50% of the time. <laughs> All right, the other half of the time, the person will say, okay, well, I don't feel anger. Now I feel hopelessness or despair or some other emotion. So then we go back through the process, right? We go back through the process and we just say, okay, what emotion do you feel now? And they'll say, okay, I feel hopelessness. All right, repeat after me. Jesus, I ask you to take the feeling of hopelessness from me. I ask you to heal the wound in my soul. I receive your healing. In place of hopelessness, I ask you to give me hope. All right, then I'll take a break for about 30 seconds or a minute. Let their memory sort of clear uh, from what we just did. And then I'll ask them again, all right, I want you to recall this event one more time. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll rehearse the event with the person. I, I'll have them first tell me, tell me about the event. Give me all the details. And then each time that I'm taking them through this process, I'll rehearse the event because I need to trigger that part of the soul, have that part of the soul come up, discuss what emotions they're feeling, give the emotions to Jesus, ask him to heal the wound in their soul, and then receive his healing. And possibly um, give them another emotion in place of it. And that's the process. And the cool thing about this process, there's a bunch of cool things about emotional healing. Number one, you don't need someone to do it with you. <laughs> you can do it yourself. I, what, I, what, I'll, what I'll do with a lot of people is I'll, I'll run them through a couple of these events. Once we do one event from their past, I'll say, okay, give me another event. Recall another memory of something that when you think of it, evokes a strong negative emotion and they'll say oh yeah well you know there's this one time when you know my ex-husband punched me in the face and i'm like okay well what emotion do you feel when you recall that event and they'll say i feel anger okay repeat after me jesus i ask you to take the feeling of anger i ask you to heal the wound in my soul i receive your healing and they'll say that i'll wait about 30 seconds and then say okay there you are, you're in the kitchen with your ex-husband. He punches you in the face. What emotion do you feel now? Right. So I'll take him through a second event and maybe a third event if necessary. 
What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get them to understand this is a process. It's very simple and you can do it yourself. You don't need anyone to help you do it unless you have severe emotional trauma. If your emotional trauma is pretty severe and you've either been diagnosed with DID or you, you know that you dissociate you, uh, and if you have a lot of um, amnesia from your past, that's something I should probably talk about. So um, let's go back to the core and the part. So you've got your core of your soul and you've got your part, right? When the part of the soul gets detached from the core, a lot of times the core of the soul will lose the memory of the event. They have amnesia. Why? Because the wounded part of the soul is hanging on to the memory and hanging on to the emotions, right? So sometimes the core of the soul will have amnesia about past events. If you have significant amnesia from your childhood, if you have large gaps in your childhood where you don't remember things, there's a good chance you have suffered emotional trauma. A lot of people are not aware of it. They just say, oh, I don't remember my childhood. <laughs> well, I hate to tell you, but that's unusual. Most people are able to have a pretty good recall of their childhood. But if you don't have a memory of your childhood, large sections of it, there's a good chance you've been traumatized and your soul has been traumatized to the point where you just don't remember much of your childhood because you have a whole bunch of fragmented parts of your soul that are hanging on to the memories that your core of your soul can't access. There's a couple of different strategies you can use for emotional healing if you have amnesia. One strategy is if you can feel the emotion but you don't know what it's connected to, that's fine because we're not healing the memory, we're healing the emotion. So if you feel anger, if you feel guilt or shame or hopelessness or despair, simply ask Jesus, Jesus, I ask you to take this emotion from me, heal the wound in my soul, and I receive your healing. And you can ask him to give you a different emotion. It's not necessary to remember the event because we're not healing the event, we're not healing the memory, we're healing the emotion. Right. So one approach is just give the emotion to Jesus, have him heal the wound in your soul. Another uh, approach, if you want to try this, you can ask the Holy Spirit to bring back the memory to you. And sometimes they'll do it even if you don't ask. <laughs> I've, I've done ministry to people who have had been traumatized, they have amnesia from, from their childhood, and they felt this really raw negative emotion, didn't know what it was attached to. We went through the emotional healing and they got healed and then boom, the Lord showed them the event that it was attached to. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will bring the memory back to your recall, sometimes not. Uh, it doesn't really matter because what will happen is if, you, if the Lord does give you a memory of something that you'd forgotten, you're going to see it differently. Uh, you'll see it with peace. You'll see it, the perspective you have on it now will be different from the perspective that you would have had previously. And sometimes you get the memory back because Jesus is integrating, he's reintegrating that wounded part of your soul. So again, the goal of emotional healing is to heal the wounded part of the soul and then reattach it to the rest of the soul so you have access to your memories and, and all that. Um, sometimes emotional healing 
Jesus will heal that wounded part of your soul and he'll reconnect it to the, to the main part of the soul. So then you'll have the memory. But I'm going to lead you now in emotional healing. And then I'm going to pray for deliverance. And then I'm going to pray for physical healing. Sound good? All right. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask you to recall an event from your past that when you think of it brings up a negative emotion. All right, so just think of an event that when you think of it brings up a negative emotion. I want you to identify what emotion or emotions, plural, you're feeling. And repeat after me. Jesus, I ask you to take these emotions from me. I ask you to heal the wounds in my soul. I receive your healing. All right, now I want you to think of that event again. Think of the same event, and I want you to identify any negative emotions that you feel. If you feel any negative emotions, we're going to do the same thing. Repeat after me, Jesus. I ask you to take these emotions from me. I ask you to heal the wounds in my soul. I receive your healing. I'm going to do this one more time. I'm going to have you recall that same event. And if you don't have any negative emotions from that event, I want you to recall a different event. One that when you think of it, brings up negative emotions. All right, so I want you to think of an event that brings up negative emotions. Get some clarity in your mind what the emotions are. And then repeat after me. Jesus, I ask you to take these emotions from me. I ask you to heal the wounds in my soul. I receive your healing. If you want to ask him to give you another emotion in place of it, you can do that too. All right. Uh, some of you are going to feel differently, right? So number one, you might feel, you might look back in that event and see it differently. Your emotions that you feel when you think of it are going to be different. Some of you have felt something lift off of you. Uh, that was a demon. <laughs> Self-deporting. A lot of times when you go through emotional healing, um, when you heal the wound in your soul, the demon that is attached to that wound will leave because it has no place of attachment. Right. So the cool thing about doing emotional healing is sometimes it causes spontaneous deliverance. Now, sometimes it doesn't. So I'm going to pray for you uh, to, for, to, we're going to get rid of the demons. Um, all right. Lord, I ask you to break yokes of bondage. I ask you to break strongholds of addiction. I ask you to bring complete freedom and emotional healing. Lord, bring your presence for deliverance upon the people watching this video. Lord, bring your presence for deliverance. I command evil spirits to get out, spirits of addiction to get out, spirits of sickness, get out. 
Spirits of fear, anxiety, and worry, I command you to get out. Every evil spirit, I command you to leave right now in the name of Jesus. Evil spirits, get out. Go to the feet of Jesus for your judgment. Do not come back to these people. All right. Now we're going to pray for physical healing. Holy Spirit, bring your presence for healing upon the viewers. Lord, bring your presence for healing. Lord, bring your glory. Bring your glory. Bring your glory. Bring your presence for healing. I command ligaments, nerves, tendons, cartilage, muscles, and bones to be healed. I command soft tissue to be healed. Rotator cuff, I command you to be healed. Discs in the back, I command you to be healed. Vertebrae, healed. Spinal stenosis, healed. Arthritis, I command you to leave right now. Arthritis, be healed. Inflammation, spirits of inflammation, I command you to get out. Spirits of pain, I command you to get out. Lord, bring your healing presence. Cartilage, I command you to be healed. Acetabulum, healed. Brand new meniscus in the knee. I release the healing power of God. I command the knee to be healed. Ankles, healed. Diverticulitis, I command you to be healed. Pancreas, I command you to produce the right amount of insulin. Islets of Langerhans, I command you to be healed right now. Insulin resistance, I command you to be gone. Heart conditions, healed. Heart arrhythmias, healed. Aberrant conduction pathways made normal. Migraines, I command you to go. I speak death to cancer cells. I command cancer cells to die. I cast tumors into the sea. Lord, bring your healing presence. I declare these people will be found cancer-free. Prostate be healed. Ovaries be healed. You will go forth, be fruitful, and multiply, and have many children. Infertility, I command you to go right now. Lord, bring your healing presence. Lord, bring your healing presence. I command heart valves to be healed, blood vessels in the chest to be healed, aneurysms healed, pituitary gland healed, brain tumors. I command you to be gone right now. Lord, bring your healing presence. Okay. Uh, I'm a little bit woozy here. God's presence is kind of on me. All right. That is all I have for this broadcast. Uh, like I said, at, at a future point, uh, I am going to write a book, a full-length book on emotional healing and deliverance. And I'll have a little bit more comprehensive discussion on the subjects um, at that point. If you're looking for a resource on the basic steps of emotional healing, I do have a book available called Emotional Healing in Three Easy Steps. This book is available both on Amazon and through Barnes & Noble. If you're looking for information on advanced concepts 
for emotional healing uh, for people who have dissociative identity disorder or multiple personalities, you might want to check out my book, The Gates of Shiloh. Although the book is a novel, the principles that are taught in it can be used in emotional healing ministry. I hope this message has blessed you. Please keep me and Denise in prayer. We thank you very much for all the people who are supporting us financially. Whether you make donations through our Give, Send, Go account, or whether you buy our books. Uh, if you buy our books, it's a double blessing because you're supporting us financially and you get good information on healing and deliverance and seeing in the Spirit. And uh, by the way, I just launched a class on seeing in the Spirit. There, I, I have a class on my website, prayingmedic.com. It's a divine healing class. It covers power and authority, healing, um, deliverance, emotional healing. I also just launched a new class on the website, uh, Seeing in the Spirit. It's a 12-lesson video-based class. You can check that out if you're interested. All right. That is going to do it for this live stream. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for supporting us in prayer. We couldn't do this without you. Keep bringing in the testimonies. If you get it, if you get healed and you'd like to share your testimony, you can email it to me at admin at prayingmedic.com. You can send it through the contact page on my website, prayingmedic.com. Or if you're on Telegram, you can post it in my Telegram channel. I'm blown away by the testimonies. I love them. God is doing some amazing things in these days. So keep the testimonies coming in. All right, that's it. Love you all. Take care. I'll catch you on the next broadcast.